Welcome to That Could Work on a Mission Field, a podcast of Mission Nation Publishing. This is Sarah Siang. Here we highlight and speak with missionaries to America about the very present and growing mission fields that exist across the nation. Join us to learn from these missionaries as they push forward to spread the good news of Jesus Christ in their diverse communities. Welcome back to another episode and another season of That Could Work on a Mission Field. This season, we are focusing on the congregation and opportunities to reach ethnic groups different than their own as far as the communities around them. And we're sitting down with um, leaders of the church and talking with them about their experiences and what they've learned. And today, we have joining us Pastor Tim Hartner out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Tim, it's great to have you. How are you doing today? I am well, and thanks for asking me. Good. Join good. You. Looking forward to it. Tell us about you and your family, your ministry. Well, uh, after 42 years of parish ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I am retired for the last three years, uh, helping out a local congregation just on Sunday morning. So I don't have to go to congregational meetings, but I get to do uh, my heart's passion of leading worship. And, and uh, so that, that all's good. I am married to uh, Laurie. We just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary, have two daughters. Uh, Deborah is married to Diego. She's a middle school drama teacher and is going to have her first baby, our first grandchild, middle of March. Mm, wonderful. And our mm. other daughter, Sydney, works for an organization called Food for the Poor, which uh, works primarily in the Caribbean and Central American area. Uh, they feed a couple hundred thousand folks every day. So that's a, that's a big operation in ministry. Um, I was a pastor in Pensacola, Florida, Southern District for 14 years. The last 28 years of my ministry, I was in Florida, Georgia District in Weston, which is a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Weston's one of those planned communities and uh, gated community, uh, kind of upper middle class. A very white community. <laughs> uh, so North American white guy that I am, I was kind of the perfect fit for that place. But interestingly, as years unfolded, our community became more and more diverse. People moving to South Florida from Central America, uh, South America. And by the time I retired, Weston was about 30% Latin and uh, which had great opportunities, challenges, uh, but I had a fascinating ministry there. I was very fortunate, very interesting. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, 20, 28 years, is that right? 28 years there, right. In yeah. Weston there. Wow. Mm. Good. Well, I would love to just dive in um, to a few questions and our focus questions for this uh, season. To start with, what energizes a congregation to want to reach out to these um, changing and growing um, ethnic communities, just like the ones you described, right? You have this congregation and um, it looks a certain way, kind of operates a certain way, but then all of a sudden, you know, these growing 
and active communities um, become present. So, so what do you do and, and what energizes a congregation to want to do so? Well, the Lutheran answer is <laughs> gospel energize, <laughs> empowers, uh, sends us out into this world where Jesus is already at work. Um, and it's just really a matter of catching up with what he's already out there doing. Um, so yeah, wanting to be a welcoming community, hospitable community, uh, outreach oriented congregation. Uh, I think the majority of us have that kind of heart for uh, doing ministry where we find ourselves. In our case, you know, that opened up some opportunities to do some things that we would not have otherwise done as our community became more and more uh, Spanish speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, we incorporated those aspects into our worship in the reading of lessons, prayers. Uh, I uh, do not speak Spanish, kind of learned enough that I could, you know, limp my way through on occasion. <laughs> um, uh, learned to baptize in el nomine Padre y del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. So when grandma flew in from Venezuela, she felt at home mm. for the baptism of her grandchild. Mm, um, but, you know, little things like that where people sure. felt you're trying to affirm and connect with them. Um, we, had a, we were fortunate to have a preschool uh, we, we had about 15 staff people on our preschool, and I think all but three or four of them were fluently bilingual. So some of those kind of things, our receptionist was bilingual. So, um, you know, when people from Latin America, they don't know what a Lutheran is, mm -hmm. but uh, that was part of the challenge. And But right. to speak their language, uh, be welcoming with God's love in Christ in the intentional ways, that helped. No, absolutely. And you hop right into my next point of um, the equipping component, component, right? So you, you know you want to do this, um, but then what are some intentional steps to get there? And you talked about uh, your receptionist, her intentionally, you know, bringing her in and having her, she's bilingual. And that aspect of someone walking through the door and your the welcoming aspect just enhances tremendously, right? What are some other maybe specific tools and um, experiences you've had to share with other congregations and leaders mm -hmm. out here um, that are wanting to equip and, and kind of prepare their congregation to really do that outreach work with those intentional steps? Yeah, being intentional about outreach, um, lifting that up to folks over and over again. Um, creating a place of hospitality. That's huge. Yeah, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that, that assumes people are going to take the initiative to come. So, you know, uh, but getting that reputation on the community grapevine. Mm, that's big. That yeah. this congregation is welcoming. And so some of the you know, language things, cultural things that could appeal to people who 
did not grow up eating bratwurst. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it made for interesting staff meetings. Of, sure. uh, yeah. How can we be more intentional about reaching out to people? And, and so some of those answers did come for us in our worship. We placed a lot of emphasis on word and sacrament Sunday morning and incorporating things into our worship service. Um, one thing that helped us, we had uh, a pastor in the area who had spent uh, about 15 years as a missionary in Venezuela, and uh, we hired Jim to come in and just hang around our place for about three weeks, and what kind of vibes did he get as somebody who knew the Latin American culture mm -hmm. and uh, observations he could make that could help us be more welcoming? And that was that was helpful. Mm. That's kind of where we sure. know, started incorporating Spanish into more into our Sunday morning service, getting a bilingual receptionist, some mm. of those kind of things. Absolutely. I just want to say you I, I love the point about um, your reputation on the block matters. And yeah. if you can get that going, that's how things really spread of, hey, what were you doing on Sunday? Oh yeah, I stopped by this church and they were great. You know, that that changes everything. The word of mouth is, that's just such a component that um, is, is worth noting. So just wanted to really emphasize that. Well, and that buzz on the community grapevine and how unaware we are tend to be of that. Mm -hmm. Another unaware thing that I believe plagues a lot of us Lutheran folk, Missouri Synod, ELCA, uh, the Pew Research people tell us we are the whitest church bodies in North America. Um, there was an incident the last few months before I retired, and I wish somebody would have said this to me about 20 years prior. <laughs> right. But this, uh, a woman who was uh, from the Caribbean, person of color, very involved in our congregation, a leader in our congregation, able, able individual. And about four months before I retired, she uh, had kind of disappeared. I made contact with her over the telephone and she said, uh, Pastor Tim, I need to be honest with you. I think St. Paul is racist. And it uh, shocked me, kind of offended me, kind of surprised me, all those things wrapped in together. And we started talking and it was so interesting the two things she honed in on that had drawn her to that conclusion, she said, were things she heard around the coffee pot on Sunday morning, mm. just comments people would say. And the second thing was uh, things that people would like on Facebook. And she said, I got to the point, I'd see that during the week, and it made it so difficult for me to come on a Sunday morning and go to the Lord's table and kneel beside somebody. Now, if I'd have had my pastoral wits about me, I would have done some Matthew 18 things and say, what can we do to go talk to this person face to face? But it's that whole, you, you know, 
um, I, I think we Lutherans see ourselves as welcoming to people, invitational to people, and we don't stop often enough to say, what are people going to experience when they get here? Mm. And what are the um, sins of which we are unaware? Um, unintentional, you know, that chit chat around the coffee pot. Nobody right. sets out to, I think I'm going to say racist things this morning to over coffee at church, but it's that unintentional sin. It's been kind of an eye opener for me. Uh, somebody pointed out to me Leviticus chapter five, which is filled with, I'm not an authority on the book of Leviticus and frankly, don't spend a whole lot of time reading <laughs> Leviticus, <Me> either. <laughs> but, um, you know, chapter five is filled with all these things that uh, in the old uh, first covenant sacrificial system, people are to do for unaware sins, they're called. Mm. Uh, that's the RSV translation. And I think there is so much of that um, in our churches and congregations, sins of which we are unaware, walls that are up of which we are unaware. And that's as we think about how can we reach out more into ethnic communities other than our own. We just need to really help each other think that through, talk that through, um, engage in the confession of corporate sin, that all that is, and uh, repent <laughs> and turn around right. and change. Mm -hmm. So that we can be more the communities that we want to genuinely want to be, think we are, but uh, maybe don't let the law do its diagnostic work individually and corporately. Let the law show us our unintentional sins. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I know as a pastor, I need other pastors to talk, help me talk about that, think about that, work that through. Um, you're sitting up there in St. Louis. My plea to our seminary <laughs> faculties is, you know, help us out here in the hinterlands and in the field. Um, give us theological resources that we need. Some guys, there's a congregation down here in South Florida, uh, Holy Cross in North Miami. Their pastor grew up in Iowa. <laughs> just, but Dennis has been just, he's just naturally this big hearted, welcoming, hospitable person. And they've got a school now that's 90% Haitian, you know, and I don't know oh. if it was any grand outreach strategy on, on his part. Most of us are not like that, though. And so right. we need we need theological resources. We need pastoral help. We need in our Winkle conferences to challenge each other to get so much better doing things that don't come naturally to most of us North American white guys. 
one, I think it is extremely important that you bring up the emphasis that, you know, okay, yes, we want to do this. Let's start implementing some steps to do this, this outreach. But what happens when they actually come? I don't know if everybody really thinks about that part. You know, are, are your hearts fully prepared? Is your congregation ready to embrace that? Um, what does that look like around the coffee hour, right? Um, and another follow-up question, you know, you talk about pastors needing each other, um, the guidance, but how, or, or I guess in, in your experience, what would you say to help encourage pastors to challenge there are congregations more. It's tough. What what yeah. what can you say to uh, tackle that? Yeah, I think most parish pastors I know want to tackle that sin. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is corporate sin. Um, one somebody I've been reading recently. Again, wish I would have encountered this 20 years ago, but he (laughs) says, you know, the overwhelming majority of us parish pastors were loved by our people. We care for our people, care of souls, we're faithful teachers, preachers, um, caregivers. We have the goodwill of the overwhelming majority of people in our congregation. And all that is wonderful and feels so wonderful. <laughs> and we wouldn't want to trade it for anything. Right. And, and this person says, why then are we so reluctant to leverage, here, here's his phrase, to leverage some of that goodwill to challenge people to reach out into the diverse ethnic communities around us. That takes some pastoral courage. Mm. I was lousy at that kind of courage. I wish (laughs) I would have done a better job over the years mustering that. Sure. Um, And I think that's another place where we pastors have to challenge each other. We all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. And when we start challenging our people from the pulpit and teaching to think outside our, you know, Northern European box, um, we're going to get pushback. And we're going to have to support each other and hold up the prophet's arms for each other and just a lot of things that we traditionally haven't done you know sometimes in our winkle conferences we we don't trust each other enough as pastors to go to places like this and talk about it and we got to get better that's a another place where we need to confess our sin and get better at doing this and helping each other if we're going to impact the uh, communities around us. Nobody's got a better message to bring than we Lutherans do. (laughs) Right. True. You know, Mm -hmm. nobody does 
law gospel better than we do. Nobody does balancing kingdom of the left and kingdom of the right better than we do. And we can mm -hmm. be kind of haughty <laughs> and arrogant about that and repent yeah. for that in another setting. But we've got such good news to share of we God's do. law that shows us our sin and his gospel that shows us our Savior, Jesus. So let's find all the ways we can to do that as best we can and most effectively as we can for communities that don't look like us, talk like us, think like us all the time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Could Work on a Mission Field, a podcast of Mission Nation Publishing. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned something new today. Until next time, this is Sarah Siang, and remember, you are now entering the mission field.